This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 420 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Total Saddle Fit. Today, we are really excited to be joined by Hillary Moore-Hebert and her student, Sarah Spaulding. We are also going to bring you some tips about grant applications. Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, hi, Phil. <laughs> hi, Reese. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good today. How are you? I'm tired. Yeah, you guys had another horse show, right? Yeah, a long horse show. And you know what? Ooh. I had to get up and I had to ride at 8 o'clock for like Aww. second rider in the ring every day. I actually, I, in some ways, I prefer that. Like, I prefer to sort of get up, get my horses braided, fed, and ride. And then yeah. I, I really hate waiting to the afternoon. I agree. That's just a long time to wait. So I, I like yeah. to sort of, I actually think 10 o'clock is my favorite show time. Cause then, I think you know, 9 or 10 o'clock would be nice. 8 yeah. a little early. And then it's just hanging out till the end of the show to be, you know, coaching my other students. It was hard yes. to, you yes. know, have lunch and then pick up the energy again. and. Yep. and going you know especially by the third day third day so we had two beautiful days of weather i know i talk about the weather too much but that's a canadian <laughs> it's, thing okay it's canada yeah it's canada um and then the third day i had to get up you know especially early again to ride in the rain so oh well that's hard you know by the third yeah. yeah third day three day shows i find are really hard i don't know about you but by the third day, it's really the fourth day because you've gotten there a day before and typically and, it, you know, by the by the fourth, third, third day of showing, everybody's tired. So I actually try not to do three-day shows if I don't have to do them. I like it. I like it, you know, because, well, we, you know, the way it works for us is you do the division, right? So you show oh. um, each of the classes and then your division champion will come from... Um, Riding test one, two, and three, and using those scores to f- oh. to see who the winner is, right? Really, we don't. So that's, no, we that's don't. how we're used to doing it. Yeah. Oh, see, uh, we don't I do think it that that's way. Really cool. Yeah, that's I think that's great. really cool because you know, if you're the third level champion, you've been successful at three at different. Least, yeah, at the three different tests. <gasps> that's, so smart. that's really cool. Yeah, we don't and, have that. And the same, you know, as you know, for small tour, sure, the small tour and big tour, you're kind of used to that, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. but you know, since there are three tests in each of the visions, that sort of works really nicely as well. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. I love it. Yeah, we don't have <laughs> that. So well, that's the advantage of having a three-day show. <laughs> of course, True. we have our, our smaller shows will be you know one day. Sometimes there's a few of them that are just Saturday, Sunday. Um, but any of the big, the big shows will be your three-day, and then yeah, and so everybody. You know, from the Grand Prix riders, you know, the real professional riders to your walk trot um, amateurs will be showing all kind of at the same show. It's really big. You know, it's, um, you know, held at the Caledon Equestrian Park. That's where most of the big shows are held, where the Pan Am Games were. So mm-hmm. we've got great facilities and, uh, and, you know, I like going and really focusing. But like I said, the last day... Getting up early in the, in the morning, rain. <laughs> rain, I had really kind of a very lackluster 
not great test. So. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, Bond, that's a bummer. Fun, right? We go on to the next one. Three, three weeks, four weeks, maybe. I think. Oh, you get a little break. That'll be nice. Awesome. <laughs> I love doesn't mean it. I won't be traveling to the other shows, but I, I personally won't True. be riding. Won't be riding. Yeah. Another, nice. Yeah. So it's good. I love it. I love it. Well, we have a great show and everybody's been asking well, where Hillary Moore Hebert is and she is back. So we're going to start with her <laughs> we interviewers. Haven't, we haven't got to talk to her in quite a few months. And, and I know. Like, but she's been so she's crazy been busy. Really she's going to tell you guys all about it, what, what she's been on, going on in her life. Including a little a little vacation, which mm-hmm. sounds really nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Electrolytes. Who needs them? Your horse, that's who. Electrolytes perform critical functions within your horse's body. They help regulate nerve and muscle functions by carrying electrical impulses between cells. In addition, electrolytes assist the body in maintaining a healthy fluid balance by controlling your horse's desire to drink. When your horse loses significant amounts of electrolytes and fluids, problems such as dehydration, muscle cramping, fatigue, tying up, and colic may occur. Even in mild forms, these conditions can have a negative impact on your horse's ability to perform and recover after exercise. Top riders and veterinarians turn to Summer Games Electrolyte to keep their horse healthy in hot weather, and you can too. Summer Games replenishes the electrolytes and trace minerals lost when your horse sweats. And it stimulates the thirst response so your horse continues to drink and stay properly hydrated. So when the going gets hot, trust Summer Games Electrolyte from Kentucky Performance Products to protect your horse. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. We are so excited to have our contributing new co-host. I'm sorry. I'm putting it out there. Hillary Moore Hebert is back on the show. (laughs) Hillary, welcome back. Hi, guys. So everybody has been asking us, what's going on with Hillary? So what's going on with Hillary? We need an update. We need an update. Uh, We've been missing you. Well, first of all, I need to go away more so that I can feel loved. (laughs) because oh. I was just informed that people were asking about me, which makes me feel much more special than I do <laughs> on a daily basis. <laughs> no, Touché, I'm just sis. joking. My, my clients and family love me. So I actually was just um, on vacation. Sadly, it's exciting I went on vacation, but it's the first time that I have taken a day off without visiting family to like show them my when I had my new baby a couple of years ago or going for like Thanksgiving or whatever. It's the first time I took a day off and just with my immediate family went somewhere since 2013. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, yeah, we know it's hard. Well, yep. So everyone listening, become a professional dressage trainer at Ona Barn <laughs> because it gives you a lot of flexibility. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so, um, and I was quite busy because I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show or not, but um, we've been renovating our property for now what's been going on six years. Um, and one of the reasons we've been, you know, here so much, but we just finished the addition of 12 stalls. So we now are a 25 stall barn. Um, and when, if you build it, they will come. Uh, we actually have Brookledge dropping off another horse tomorrow at noon and they come so often now the driver actually has my cell phone number. So <laughs> That's good. this is good. So, um, so it's really good, but we're actually full right now. And we went from 10 stalls to 25. So that explains also why I have been very busy. So <laughs> we've had the opportunity um, to do some cool things too, because we had 12 empty stalls, which is, you know, pretty unusual at most private barns. And as a result of that, we got to do um, a really cool thing with the uh, dressage for kids with Lennon Gray's group, um, where we hosted, it's called Team Now, but a lot of people know it as EDAP, the Emerging Dressage Athlete Program. Um, we were able to have the uh, junior young riders come in to work with London um, and we had the 12 empty stalls so they come for the weekend and stay overnight and it's almost like you know a, a camp program or like a incentive training program where they're they, they're here from Friday until Sunday um, and it's you know more than just lessons so we've now had London twice we're looking at having Lilo come another time and then um, Lendon's actually going to come back and we may have to um, do like a tent outside uh, because the 12 horses come in for that. And we'll be doing that again in November uh, for our regional junior young riders. And, and wow. Hillary, can you just uh, introduce like Lendon for, for our, any of our international listeners or anybody who doesn't yeah. know who so, she is? Um, so if you don't know, um, you should, because she is one of the most talented. Uh, not only is she um, an inter or was an international rider before retiring from competition. Um, some people also know her as uh, the mentor and coach for Courtney King, who was also an Olympian uh, in her own right. So she is both an international caliber rider and trainer. Uh, she also was my instructor through the USDF instructor certification program. So she's one of the faculty um, and she hosts uh, what is, or not host, she is the brainchild and creator and, you know, everything of dressage for kids, which is, um, you know, its own pipeline for younger riders to come up through the levels similar to what you would consider as like a pony club um, where they have to have practical knowledge at the competitions. They are scored on everything from, um, you know, their equitation to how clean their tack is to written exams. Um, and it really makes horse people as opposed to just competition riders. Um, so she is, and she now is hosting, um, you know, a kind of a, a winter intensive, um, that's actually what it's called, uh, down in Florida for people who come down. And again, it's an immersive program for people who are interested in a genuine apprenticeship working student position. So she's not only a phenomenal trainer and coach and rider, but also really has 
fostered the development of a lot of people in our sport, um, you know, from the ground up. Yeah, the juniors especially, lots of great programs, yeah. and and it's, it's fantastic. And she's a fantastic person, and and so I think just everybody all over the world should know that because there's not very many people who do focus on, um, you know, not just she, she's high performance, but also just you want to know more about you know about dressage. It's you know it's it's really cool and it's and it's really important, and I think it's great. Thank you, Hillary, for the- for bringing that up. Yeah. Uh, and the, um, so back to, you know, what she does with these EGOT clinics, she, uh, thanks to extremely generous support from people who are, a lot of whom are like the who's who of, you know, riders, um, and sponsors in the sport. Uh, she spends almost every weekend when she's not in Florida going around the country doing these, um, like junior young rider intensive programs over every weekend. And it's very interesting because um, she has a lot of rules and I am now not afraid to sort of mention that she does have a reputation for being a little bit strict and tough on people, but it's been interesting to have her here as a non-rider. So I can kind of observe from the outside because the girls come in or, you know, the boys and, um, we just had Thanks all for that. the last yeah. thing. Yeah, that um, was for Phil. So That's for me. the, um, the junior young riders come in with their horses and they are expected to keep their horses as if they're at a show facility, right? So you have to take care of your horse. You have to do everything yourself. She strongly discourages parents to do anything, but just be there for support. So, um, they're not to be packing your horse up, braiding and everything. Um, and she does some neat things where she expects that the barn is kept clean as if it was ready for photos at any moment. She also um, challenges people to braid their horse and wrap it, not because she expects you to be kind of prissy and perfect, but she wants to see that you can do it before you go to a recognized show so that you don't feel embarrassed if it's not up to standard. So it gives people a a chance to practice that. She also requires that everybody audit all of the other lessons and has a notebook with them. So she gets them into the habit of, um, uh, you know, journaling, watching other people, learning from the ground. So that's really great. And then my favorite part, um, because as all your listeners are learning, I like to talk a lot, um, is <laughs> there is a lot of lectures. So there is morning lectures, lunchtime lectures, and evening lectures. And those are interspersed with exercise classes. And, um, you know, she also doesn't really let people have candy. So it's all supposed to be healthy meals. And um, we've had lectures on nutrition um, and how to eat for energy and, um, you know, making sure that you're not fatigued from eating nothing but candy and sugary sodas. Um, And then also she does lectures talking about things like one time she talked about the half halt and sort of explained it more. Um, And then uh, I have given talks on kind of making the decision to go pro or not. And then I have had now in the two times also a panel discussion from some young professionals about um, what it's like to become a trainer. Someone else, it was 
how she juggled this with not becoming a professional and going into the workforce. Um, so it's just really interesting because it's a very holistic approach to things versus sometimes when you see the clinics, people come in, they ride, and then they leave. And it's, you know, there's not necessarily a guarantee that the horsemanship is correct. And also they're not taking advantage of the opportunity to learn by watching the other lesson. You know, I think because I've seen um, this program and I saw it in Florida and I will be honest, this was similar model to not, not completely, but when I was growing up, uh, USDF had the same similar program with Conrad Schumacher and it was, Uh you would go and you would, they didn't do the barn inspections and that type of thing, but you would go, you were expected to watch everyone's lesson. You had a theory lesson uh, at lunch. And then same thing, you rode in the afternoon, there was another dinner. And there were so many things that came out of that period of my life. And I had never heard of dressage theory before I went to those lectures. And I was 14 when I started going. I mean, and, and I, you know, one time Mr. Schumacher asked the group, how do you do a proper canter transition? And, you know, somebody said something, he called on someone, and it was, like, earth-shattering to me. Like, wait, you don't just, like, put your outside leg back and hope. You know, there's actually some theory involved with that. And, and, and in my life, those were the clinics and the time that made me think about becoming a professional rider. But also, I went to these kind of, uh, it was twice or three times a year, we would go to these clinics and and the people that I went with are all very good friends and a lot of them are on the show with me now and and Phil now uh these were when we all started to sort of formulate what it was to be a dressage rider so uh these are such amazing clinics but you know what you're saying is also some things that you should do in your daily life or if you go to a clinic and you're you're participating you know watching the lessons journaling all of these things are so incredibly important um, that you will get your money's worth if you sit there and watch, not just pay your lesson fee, but sit and watch everyone else and ask questions at an appropriate time with the instructor. So I think there's a lot of things that can come out of what you're saying that applies to everyone else, that this is really, it, it is an education. And um, for- Yeah, I mean, this is how to become a dressage rider. You know, it's not just, you know, take a few lessons and, you know, but you, you got to become a, a total athlete. You got to be thinking about your, about your health and you got to think about how much you can get out of other people's lessons that doesn't yeah. cost a single thing, right? If you go with a notebook and you jot down some ideas, I always run across these um, notebooks that I, you know, kind of fill out or a piece of paper here or there that, you know, that I come across from a previous clinic and I look at it again and go, oh yeah, that's a really smart point or, you know, just a reminder, right? And you have it down on paper or you, or a notebook or in your computer or whatever, that things that you can go back and look at and you, you can think about it like in a totally different context having learned something else, then you go back to it. But yeah, I mean, uh, there's lots of opportunities to learn out there, lots of ways to uh, to figure out how to ride better. So that's it, it's an awesome program that she runs for the kids, but we need something for the adults too, I think. Maybe. Yeah. Or, you know, for well, sure, they, uh, at all the amateurs that maybe started riding a bit later. and, and uh, I, um, I didn't do it, but mistake me if I'm wrong. Did you guys do at Hassler's the Young Horse uh, weekend? Yes. Yeah. 
That's where Philip okay. and I actually met. That's where we West met. Is that similar in way? I mean, I don't know because I haven't done it, which I'm jealous because every time I try to, it's like skipping a year. But um, <laughs> is that similar in that where like you kind of are, I don't mean networking, like I met someone and now we're going to like buy a horse together, but like talking with peers, discussing yeah. theory and uh, having it be that you're like immersing yourself. Is it similar? Yes. Yes, Absolutely. very much. Yeah. It's it's it, and it is there's a lot of networking too. I mean, obviously at, at that particular conference and they at this point haven't they did it for 10 years. Um and really the network that came out of that group is amazing and that's exactly what it was for. It was for networking, it was, it was for meeting Yeah, it was people. just immersing um professionals in in a similar setting to what what London was doing um so that uh yeah, it was just, you know, talking about dressage at a, you know, at a certain level and for people who are already trainers and then to sort of bring them to the next stage with a particular focus on on riding young horses and trying to develop younger horses for um uh, this is this thing started when when the World Young Horse Dressage Championships was also new. And so they wanted to promote American horses or American riders, North American horses and riders to be able to compete, uh, you know, at a world stage, um, in those type of young horse classes as well. So yeah, lots of, lots of great programs out there and, you know, you should always be looking out for what's going on and, and trying to get into things like this because they can be, they can be great. Yeah. I wish there were more. Yeah. I think that there are years where it seems like there are so many opportunities, you know, there was the, um, global forum, North America, and then there was the trainers conference and then there, you know, was a uh, young horse program. And then there's other years where I feel like, and I know I'm kind of focused just on from the professional perspective. I wish there was more in general for everyone of all, you know, whether you're amateur or professional, but I wish that for myself that there was just more of them. Um, and it, you know, I can only have so much stuff going on at the farm, but I, I'm sure that you guys agree that, it's just, um, you know, I definitely think that you see the same people going to these things because you can ride and ride and ride and teach and teach and teach. But um, it's a little bit like, you know, you get stale where if you don't have the capacity to interact with someone, whether it's in a clinic setting or just talking with your peers, you know, you don't have any way to be bouncing ideas off of people. And that's where I think you know, you kind of become linear in how much you can learn, but nothing kind of, you know, mixes together. And it makes it so I think people get a little bit focused on going forward and they don't pause to sort of say, you know, am I capable of discussing this? First of all, do I have the patience to sit and really think about it? Or am I just on autopilot? And I think it's important from all riders perspectives to really stop for a second because you start to say, okay, I am having this issue, for example, with the changes. Um, and you're like, I'm going to drill it tomorrow. The next day I'm going to drill it. And you get, you know, I don't mean it in the sense of every single day, but you get kind of hyper focused and you don't pause for a moment to think that maybe instead of, you know, putting the square, peg in the hole it may be that it's a whole different hole that you should have been looking at but you're so adamant about getting it done you kind of lose track of that yeah and I think it's important you know just as always um 
you know, sometimes it, you, you end up having to run it or <laughs> find someone to run. Or yeah, I mean, that's, that's it. Like, you know, it's kind of a personal down. responsibility. Like you're doing, mm-hmm. Hillary, with, I know you run a bunch of clinics and you bring in clinicians and stuff. Like, it's not going to happen if people don't do it, right? And, you know, the yeah. things that have already happened, you know, are because of uh, great people, great organizers and great sponsors and, and stuff like this. So even if you run a small thing at your farm or you... You tell you say to your trainer, "Hey, you know what? I'd be interested in taking responsibility for a mini clinic or something." It just takes the people to initiative and to do. It. I mean, this stuff is hard, and just even people who run horse shows, you know, any yeah. any any of this stuff is not because you want to make a million dollars. It's because no. you enjoy yeah. it and you want to bring people a community together, and so. And that's, you know, a little bit like what what we try and do with this show, right? We get to talk about dressage every week. We really enjoy it. Um, you know, so just any little they thing. They don't make well, a million and, dollars, by the way. <laughs> no, we don't make a million dollars. <laughs> Unfortunately, but I, I think uh, I think it's a challenge for all of us. And um, uh, a couple weeks ago at my farm, uh, and it just came up, and it was actually not a horse-related event per se, but we did a women in business day at my farm. Uh-huh. and. Um, it was really successful for the first go. Everyone's like, when are we doing this again? It was a lunch. Uh, and um, we had several presenters that that had or and they had booths and we did it in the indoor and everybody bought, you know, some food. So it wasn't so complicated for me to organize. And everyone yeah. had a really, really good time. And it, it only really took about three hours out of my day, but I felt like it was super important to do it. So, uh, you know, if anyone's running these kind of programs, let us know. We'd like to highlight them. Let's let's Um, promote them on this show at least, right? We can promote them on the show. We'll certainly give shout outs. Yeah, it does. And it really helps the community. Well, and I think ideas like that, Reese, are half the battle. Don't you agree? Like, for me, I'm never going to come up with the idea of these team clinics with London and facilitate something it is exhausting to do it right the first time around but even now that I have had it pre-planned and Mary Herbst is phenomenal and helps organize these things um the first time was tough the second one was pretty easy I'm now at a point where I have no problem signing up to do two more in a year because I could practically do it with my eyes closed and so I think that's part of it is people calling in to your show to describe what they're doing Um, this is like sort of a tangent, but I think, and I'm only paraphrasing because I'm not entirely sure how they're doing it, but in Utah, my friend Sydney, who, um, she was scribing at the L program I went through out there, um, they have something, I think it's called the short tour. And this I think is awesome. I don't know if it's a recognized show or schooling shows, but they do, I think it's, you do a training level and first level test and then it's a first level freestyle. And so they have it. So it's like doing, you know, a CDI, except for you're doing training first level in your first freestyle. And then there's prizes for it, like you're doing a CDI. And I think that's exactly, you guys are right. It's the idea of coming up with these ideas like Reese's and then sharing them. So then someone can kind of just bounce off of it as opposed to having, yeah, exactly. Just go, just run with your idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, it, yeah. and sometimes it doesn't, you know, I think you, you think, oh my gosh, has it be this amazing thing? Mine started because my sister is selling Arbon. if anyone wants, it has, needs information. But no, my sister had was selling a new product and, um, you know, needed some help and needed some people. And it just sort of 
spun off from there and it was it ended up being a really really cool event and not super hard to run so uh, we really would we'd love to highlight these that bring our community together I think we all need that and I think it's really important so Hillary thank you so much for coming on and telling us what you're doing and where you've been and all of that good stuff and so how do our listeners find you online so you guys can go to dressagedayday.com um, and I would encourage you guys to check it out because in terms of coming up with some ideas, there's a lot of stuff in the, um, you know, dressage life section that's going to give you an idea for what other GMOs are doing that might help you come up with some thoughts of what you can do on your own. Fantastic. We love it. Well, we can't wait to hear from you next month. Well, Phil, we're bringing lots of stuff back this week. We have had multiple requests um, for adult amateur spotlights. We used to do this um, before, and we've gotten some several requests for it. So we have a fantastic adult amateur rider, Sarah Spalding, who's going to talk to you a little bit about how she just got her bronze medal. Sarah, welcome. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Well, you are so cute. You ha- you are a really busy lady, and uh, you were telling us off air about your your very important job in Washington D.C. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do uh, before we get on to the horses? Uh, sure, absolutely. So um, I work for the American Association for Cancer Research as a senior regulatory science and policy analyst, um, which basically just means that I act as a liaison between the FDA. And uh, some of our best and brightest cancer researchers here in America. <laughs> that is so cool. So tell yeah. us, um, besides having a really high-powered job in D.C., you also <laughs> are a very, you are USDF's latest bronze medalist. And that is so very <laughs> exciting. So can you tell us a little oh, bit I- about your first and a little bit about your journey you guys have taken together? Oh my goodness. Yes, I'd be happy to. So my horse, uh, his name is Garth or SRC Parrot Bay, um, is a Frisian Arabian cross that I bred with Adrian Hancock Leong of Louisville, Kentucky. Um, let's see, almost 14 years ago uh, now. And um, I originally intended him to be a hunter. That was my goal. Uh, but he saw the world a little differently and he wanted to be a dressage horse. My uh, my trainer at the time got tired of me breaking uh, PVC poles, um, <laughs> trying to teach him to become a So we, we so, moved uh, on um, from there. Yeah, Sarah, tell us about the cross. Now, you, did you have, was the Arab uh, the mare or was the Frisian the mare? Yeah, so uh, the Arabian was the mare and the sire was uh, a Frisian stallion that has had a big impact in the Kentucky region. Um, his name was Loki. Oh, okay, okay. I think I've heard of that horse. And um, yeah. tell us how this this cross would would make a good hunter. I'm just trying to figure that well, out too. <laughs> so he, so he had, um, so Adrian um, bred a lot of horses for the Arabian circuit, um, okay. and a number of uh, Loki's offspring went on to be very successful hunters. And actually, one of his full siblings was a great hunter, but. Garth did not agree, uh, so he wanted to be a true uh, okay. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. I love it. So um, tell us, after you sort of, you know, left the hunter land and came to dressage land, you know, tell us a little bit about that transition and, and how training him to third level has gone. 
Oh gosh, it's been quite a journey. So um, as I went from being an undergrad to a graduate student, I uh, failed to learn how to give up on the riding dream. So (laughs) instead of selling my horse like every good graduate student should, I didn't and just kept going. So I plugged along all through graduate school. My mentor in graduate school used to like to say, you can work whichever 14 hours of the day that you prefer. The rest are up to you. Um, So I would take lessons at seven o'clock in the morning or eight o'clock at night, um, trying to, to keep going with him. So we just kept going and we got our first level and second level scores. Uh, But third level was really tough. We were having a really hard time accomplishing that. So uh, luckily we moved to Maryland and uh, found a trainer that was able to help us achieve those goals <laughs> just a couple nice. of years ago. That's nice. Tell so us a little cool. bit about your history coming to, you know, breeding a horse and when did you get involved into horses? Was it, is this a lifelong endeavor or, or how did you pick it up? Uh, yeah, so absolutely. Um, at 18 months old, uh, my mother likes to say, she put me on the back of a horse. Um, It knew left, right, go and stop. And I would ride it around and around and around and hold on. Um, Of course, (laughs) now, you know, that would probably be frowned upon. Um, But I've been involved in horses my whole life. Um, I spent most of my younger years um, at Stonehurst Riding Club in Louisville, Kentucky, you know, working off lessons and showing and uh, being a, you know, old school barn rat <laughs> that would never go away. Um, and Adrian uh, bred a lot of horses there. And I saw uh, my hunter dreams in what is now my horse's full sibling and said, okay, well, this is the cross that I want to do. And uh, the rest is history. <laughs> so Sarah, you were talking about the challenges. And I think that the hardest challenge for the bronze medal is obviously third level because the requirements are so much different for, for the horses. So tell us a little bit about how you work through those challenges at third level, the flying changes, the half pass, that type of thing. Oh my goodness. So it was a huge challenge for us. And uh, my trainer, Hillary Moore Hebert is my hero. Um, it was so, so, so difficult for us. My horse, uh, because, because of his breeding, uh, has a special knack for, uh, evading with the shoulder. And over the last two years, she has just helped us so much, like helped me to learn to understand when I really have him connected in the outside shoulder. And when he's just using that magical Frisian neck of his to pretend like I have the shoulder under control. Um, so once we kind of got that sorted out, the, the half passes seem to come a lot easier, um, but the flying changes are still uh, <laughs> under construction, um, as I think maybe <laughs> happens a lot in uh, third level test one at shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can you see lots of different things that may not may or may not be flying changes in in, in that level <laughs> and in that, in that test. <laughs> what, so. It when seems like I you have a sense of humor about it, which is pretty good because oh, it can yeah. get pretty frustrating. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes. Well, and somehow I've managed to develop a really laid back attitude. I mean, 
in my mind, it's taken me 14 years to try and achieve this bronze medal um, because I was thinking it was a great idea when he was still in utero. But somehow I've developed a laid back attitude about the changes. Everything else, I'm sort of super type A, but it doesn't <laughs> seem to get us anywhere if I stress out about the flying changes. And they, they're coming. <laughs> this takes time. This takes time. Yep. So I'm, I'm wondering if maybe for our listeners and for us that maybe you could describe a little bit in detail about the shoulder problems that you've experienced and some maybe an exercise or two that, um, you know, that have worked for you or, you know, have worked for you and your horse. Yeah, sure. So uh, I, in my mind, I thought that I had to really um, hold the outside rein um, to try and manage the shoulder. I thought that so much of that was coming from my hand. And what I was able to learn through working with Hillary was that I really needed the body to be bending correctly. Um, and so essentially what we worked on a lot was kind of doing um, like leg yield from the rail to the quarter line, and then maybe just doing uh, shoulder in a little bit into the center um, down the rail. And, but really using my leg and not so much with my hand. I, I was just doing way too much with my hand. And Hillary likes to say, anytime you feel like you have a problem, for me, it's probably caused by my hand. <laughs> um, but I, I thought that I was being very conservative, but I was uh, hopelessly wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think it's, it's caused by people who, well, everyone just wants to manipulate the world from their hands, right? You drive a car, right, you... Yes. you use a computer. I mean, it all comes from there. Whereas riding really is all about body and, and connecting your body to the horse's body and feeling, you know, through your seat, through your, through your core, what's going on and the balance issues. And they, and normally, yeah, your hands cause more problems than they really fix. So I think that's a <laughs> yeah, kind of a good tip, kind of a good tip for everybody and their to help their riding and, and help figure out all the lateral moves, which, which can get very complicated, you know, the higher you go. Very up quickly, your yeah. Very quickly, yeah. And many times the horses think they're doing it right, and then the rider thinks they're doing it right, and then all of a sudden it's like, no, 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 let's go. And you have to go back to, to, to square one all the time. I feel like I've gone back to square one so many times, but I think that's part <laughs> of the um, thing about dressage that everybody loves. <laughs> you can that's always, true. You, you can you always go no back to stay. Yeah. You can always go back. So, Sarah, what's next for you guys? Oh my goodness. Uh, well, so after I, after I found out I got the score for my bronze and I finished weeping, uh, hopelessly Aww. people started asking me that. <laughs> Actually, the never it, ending was, it was so funny. My, my husband was there at the show and, um, you know, as soon as I found out that I had gotten the score, uh, so that I could get the medal, I just started bawling, crying. And, um, he goes, Oh, I'm so proud of you. And I said, I didn't even cry at our wedding. And as you know, as he started stroking my hair, he goes, I know, honey, I know. <laughs> That's a funny story. Funny. Oh, poor um, guys. But, but so, so as far as what's next, um, I think we're going to try and work on thirds too. So canter half pass is still a challenge. Is it still a challenge for us? Um, Hillary is, way more optimistic than me. She, she thinks uh, maybe uh, scores towards the silver medal are possible, but I feel like I've worked so hard and so long towards getting the bronze. But after this, I'm going to let Garth tell us um, what's next 
and how far we can go. So um, every day is, is a gift after this. And when he says, I've had enough, I'd like a junior to lease me, um, then he will be available Aww. to pursue his own interests. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Sarah, thanks so much for coming on our show and sharing your journey with us. It's always so fun to hear how everybody makes their dreams happen. And congratulations again. Oh, thank you so much. It's been really great. Thanks. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, today, Phil, for our Total Saddle Fit tip of the week, um, we were chatting a little bit about this off air, and there was a great um, little blurb in um, dressage today. So I wanted to talk about um, kind of finding some grant money. Uh, and there are other ways to do this, but there are some, there's some great tips in dressage today and, and from the dressage foundation. And one of the things that I learned, uh, at the USDF convention is a lot of the money that the dressage foundation raises goes unused. Did you know that? I did not know that. I, did, I, but I, I think that's kind of true in general. I've heard, um, many, you know, cases of, of grants and, um, you know, things is uh, money from schools and, and, and we have some small ones in Canada too, that just, uh, some grants for juniors for some grants for other riders to get more education and, and all kinds of things. And people just don't send in applications. Right. Which Whatever is, reason it, they think yeah, that, well, um, they Oh, you know, they, or... they, they, yeah, there's too many people applying. I won't, I don't have a chance. I don't, you know, or yeah. just, you know, not getting in front of a computer and writing out a little application. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's all this money that, that nobody gets that, you know, you could right. have had. I know that, that you've exactly. received a couple of grants, Reese. I uh, have. But you don't have to be a super duper superstar like you. Because there's, <laughs> well, money, there's money out there for everyone, for adult amateurs, for juniors. You know, yeah. you just have to do a little research, f- yep. fill out a form or have somebody recommend you, you know. Uh, yeah. I know I wrote you a recommendation for, yeah. for the Dressage Foundation not too long yeah. ago. I don't mind yeah. doing that, you know. No, for, we don't mind. I mean, you asked ask me, you, you said, yeah. and I said, sure, of course, I'm going to help out a friend or a student or, you know, somebody I know that, uh, you know, <laughs> there is money out there, right? There's money out there. And, and, you know, you think it's silly, but, you know, my goodness, I, I have been very lucky. I, I won a grant for... Um, it was just for certified instructors to carry on with their continuing education uh, a couple years ago. And it was tremendously helpful uh, to pay because not only when we travel, are you do expensive travel and loss of income, but you have to pay for training. So that was fantastic. And then the, the one Philip was speaking about um, was for also continuing education um, for the FEI certification. And it will help pay for all of the workshops that I have to attend to get that certification. So um, it's really, it's worth your time. So what this article was about was um, if you go to the Dressage Foundation website, www.dressagefoundation.org, they have tons of grants. It's very easy to read. It's very easy to see which um application or sort of, are you a certified instructor? Are you a technical delegate? Are you a junior? How does that work? Um, 
not only is there money through the Dressage Foundation, but some local GMOs have grants that they get. If you don't receive the grants through the GMOs, I would ask your GMO or maybe uh, maybe help set up a scholarship fund um, because our, our local GMOs in Kentucky both have um, – and and they're great. And and sometimes you have to write an article or talk to, uh, about something at the at the annual meeting. But typically they're not terrible requests to get to get money back. So um, the, to do the applications, this were just a couple things the Dressage Foundation just recommended that you do. And that is begin the process early. Don't wait to the last minute to start your application. And um, it depends on the grant that you're receiving or trying to apply for the Dressage Foundation when um, those come up, but they come up quickly and, and you really should just pay attention to that. Review the grant requirements thoroughly. Make sure that a particular grant is a good fit for your needs. Because obviously, if you're an adult amateur, don't apply for a junior grant, you won't get it. Um, but certainly if you have some, some other certifications, technical delegate, um, certified instructors, that opens a whole nother um, pool for you. Be clear and concise. Answer questions in a thorough way, but stay on topic. Proofread, which is very funny because I, when, I, when I'm at UK and I'm teaching my students, I remind them of this, um, <laughs> is that you want to proofread uh, what you're doing. Review your budget. So typically a lot of those grants will ask for a budget. Uh, so if you're going somewhere to travel for a week, uh, you want to make sure that you do a decent budget and a realistic budget. Um, uh, what, you know, it, it, don't put $5 down for dinner. Uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe you want to go to or, McDonald's. Or a thousand, right? Or a thousand, right? I mean, it goes either way. One like, way or the budget. other way. Yeah. yeah. Make it a reasonable budget, a reasonable, you know, if you're traveling for a grant, uh, you know, you don't have to eat at McDonald's the whole time. Not that McDonald's is bad, but it's not the most healthy for sure. But anyways, <laughs> uh, review your budget. <laughs> um, and then, you know, if you have questions like the Dressage Foundation, they're fantastic and they will answer questions for you. And you want to answer, you know, go through answering those questions uh, and, and call them because they will answer it. But um, I hope those are some tips. I mean, this is the time of year where it's fun to organize with your trainer to go visit and uh, train a little bit with them. Uh, it also helps with planning for the fall if you're going to regionals or, you know, hopefully yeah, to nationals. Shows and stuff like horse this, shows. Yeah. yeah, it's very expensive. And, you know, these grants are out there for, for everybody. So I hope that helps um, and uh, that everybody goes and, and we, you know, use this money that's out there just sitting there that, it doesn't get used. So that would be great. Well, everybody, remember, we love your email and Facebook shout outs. We're going to get to some more listener questions next, next week. And you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com. And my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is on Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on a good show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we will talk to you next week.